subscribers to the podcast. Well, now, as a celebration of Madonna's birthday, both parts have been stitched together, so it's a chance for you to revisit those first 25 minutes and get an extra bonus 15 minutes afterwards talking about Madonna's vocals, playing them in isolation, and heaps more, including that fantastic David Morales mix. And remember to check out the merchandise for the podcast now, www.insidethegroove.co.uk. And for the month of August, there is a special discount to celebrate Madonna's video. Just use 25 all uppercase letters to get that discount. Inside the Groove is a podcast which takes a song by Madonna every episode and dissects its creative process, examining the songwriting, the production and the recording. By playing you the demos, the studio sessions and isolated tracks, including Madonna's vocals, sometimes along with previously unheard takes, we explain how Madonna has been behind some of the biggest moments in pop history over the past 40 years. Deeper and Deeper was the second single from Madonna's fifth studio album, Erotica. It was released on 17th of November 1992, a whole year after Madonna first recorded her vocals for the Philly disco-inspired house pop track that must rank as an absolute favourite amongst Madonna fans old and new. It has all the ingredients for a classic by the star, a dance beat, a pounding synth bass, a sublime melody, multi-layered harmonies in its uplifting chorus, and a middle eight or bridge that becomes the focus of the entire track. Reaching number one in Canada and Italy, it did pretty well elsewhere, but Madonna was facing a small backlash against the provocative themes of her album and the accompanying book Sex, thus relegating deeper and deeper to perhaps a forgotten classic. With its visually stunning video directed by Bobby Woods, which paid homage to both Andy Warhol and Marlena Dietrich, it really is the entire package and everything fans want from the singer. And let's not forget the remixes. Deeper and Deeper comes with hundreds of remixes, some of which have never been officially released, but I'll be talking about those a little bit too, including that fantastic version by New York DJ David Morales. The song began life as an instrumental demo played to Madonna in Chicago during the summer of 1991 and was reworked time and again until Madonna was satisfied with its breakdown section, adding a flamenco guitar and castanets, much to producer Shep Pettibone's distaste. I'll be recording my interview with co-writer Tony Shimkin about how that section was created in the studio. I'll also be talking about the backing vocals by Donna, Delory and Nikki Harris and with a word from Donna included in my recent interview with the singer. With no multi-track available, I'll be listening to selected samples, but I'm pleased to say that isolated recordings of Madonna's vocals, including the demo versions, exist, and I'll be playing you those. I'll also be taking a look at the lyrics to the song, for which many theories regarding its meaning exist. Plus, I'll talk about two songs which Madonna may have been inspired by during the writing, and how she might have been able to legally incorporate them into her song. So much to discuss, so sit back and relax. You know that there's nothing better that I like to do as we go deeper and deeper inside the groove. Do. 
Hi, my name is Edward Russell and welcome to the first regular episode following the epic two-part interview with Donna DeLore. Deeper and Deeper is a song I've wanted to cover for a long time, but with no leaked multi-track or high-quality demo, I held back. However, it's such an epic song and a fair bit is known about its writing and recording process. So I felt that now was the time to take a deep dive into what many consider a lost track from the singer. 1992 was a very interesting period to be a Madonna fan and I can only give my experience but I'm sure that lots of you had a similar one. Madonna had been massive in 1990. You'd had Blonde Ambition, you'd had Vogue, you'd had I'm Breathless, you'd had the Immaculate Collection. She was the biggest pop star in the world. And then it kind of went quiet. In the UK we got a heap of re-releases instead of Rescue Me, which they did get in the States. So by the time it was a single in the United Kingdom, we'd already heard all the remixes anyway, and there was no video. It was kind of disappointing. Truth or Dare slash In Bed With Madonna came out, and of course that was highly promoted at the Cannes Festival in 1991. But apart from that, there wasn't a great deal coming out of the Madonna camp. In the summer of 92, we got This Used To Be My Playground, which of course was the soundtrack from the film A League Of Their Own. But pretty as it is, and I know a lot of you really like that song, it was no Vogue part two. But then along came the Erotico album, single, and of course the sex book. But most of all, you then got deeper and deeper as the next single, which ticked every single box that I needed ticking right there and then. So what can I tell you about how it was written and recorded? First of all, be very wary of so-called demos out there on the internet. I've heard a few that are supposedly of deeper and deeper, and apart from one, I don't think they're genuine. But thankfully, the biggest source of information about deeper and deeper comes from Madonna's very own fan magazine, Icon. Icon was first published in 1990 to paid-up members of Madonna's fan club. It was actually called Like a Fanzine for the first couple of issues before its name change. It was published quarterly and in volumes and was generally a good read, especially in those pre-internet days when it was the only place you could get an exclusive insight on Madonna. I remember being hard up living in Paris in the mid-90s, which was actually quite romantic looking back. But back then, I was turning tables to make ends meet, and if ever I got good tips, I'd use it to buy either a packet of Gaulois cigarettes, ugh, yuck, or I'd popped Lucky Records in Le Marais, which stocked records and memorabilia by artists like Kylie, Milan Farmer, but mostly Madonna. Can you imagine that today? A record store in a capital city whose stock was 50% dedicated to her royal vinylness. For just 50 francs, which was about five pounds back then, I'd pick up a back issue of Icon and read it from cover to cover, puffing away on a ridiculously strong cigarette. I couldn't afford to get a good square meal, but hey, I was skinny and gathering source material for this podcast. In one of the issues from around the release of Madonna's fifth studio album was The Erotica Diaries, an account of the recording process of the album by Shep Pettibone himself, littered with Polaroids of the pair in the studio. It's a fascinating read, and I'll be quoting from it again in a future edition, but in it he explains how Deeper and Deeper came to be. In Shep's diary entry for July to August 1991, he said, I wanted to start writing again. The last project I had worked on with Madonna was the Immaculate Collection, but that was just a month and a half of working with that Q-Sound stuff. I knew I could do something great after Vogue and Rescue Me, so I just started putting tracks together with my assistant, Tony Shimkin. I wanted to have a few songs for Madonna to listen to when I went out to Chicago, where she was filming A League of Their Own. Shep had no idea that Madonna was planning on doing an album at the time, and he gave her a cassette of three tracks. They were the songs that would end up being Erotica, 
Rain and Deeper and Deeper. They were just instrumentals and he left them with her and asked her to think about whether she could come up with melodies and lyrics. Madonna took Shep's advice and listened to them whenever she could, in the car, in her trailer, and eventually she called him back and said that she liked all three songs and wanted to work on them. In Shep's entry for October to November 1991, he says, Madonna returned to New York and we began to work on demos in my apartment. It's cool working at home, it's convenient, cosy, and there's no studio time ticking by. Plus, if you wake up in the middle of the night and have an idea, you just go upstairs, turn on the equipment and go. Madonna at the time was combining her work with Shep, with the other producer on the project, Andre Betts, and also working on her book Sex with Stephen Mizell. Shep kept working on songs which also included Thief of Hearts at this point. He says, I did the music and she wrote the words. Sometimes I'd give her some ideas lyrically and she'd go, oh, that's good, or that sucks. I remember when I gave her some ideas lyrically for Vogue, she said very curtly, that's what I do. Essentially, her songs, her stories. These are the days when a producer like Shep would have used a microcomputer, probably an Atari ST, to link together lots of keyboards using a piece of composing software called Opcode Studio Vision. You don't need to understand this, it's a way of getting everything to talk to each other. All the keyboards, all the samplers, the drum machines, etc. He'd use the computer to program the drum machine, in the case of Deeper and Deeper, a TR-909, with all the beats played out, all the drum fills, etc., where and when he wanted them. Keyboards-wise, well, Shep used an Oberheim OB-8 and a Roland D50, and on the sampling side, he would use an Akai S1000. Rather than using an expensive studio, Shep would use an 8-track tape recorder to lay down the demos of the songs. One track was dedicated to something called SMTPE, which is the code used by MIDI. Again, you don't need to understand that. Another two tracks were the stereo mix that was coming out of the keyboards, being programmed by the computer. Are you with me? And the remaining five tracks were used for Madonna to lay down a lead vocal, a double vocal, background parts, harmonies, etc. Shep says in his diary, 98% of the time, the vocals recorded in my apartment were the keeper vocals, the ones you hear on the album. It took about two or three days to write a song from beginning to end. Still, sometimes, even after they were done, we'd want to change the flow of the song and ask the song a few questions. Where should the chorus hit? Should it be a double chorus? Sometimes Madonna would call me in the middle of the night and say, Shep, I think the chorus should go like this. Or, I hate this verse, fix the bass line. Madonna wanted it to sound underground, edgy and raw. She didn't want it to have a studio sheen. More on the vocals soon. In the meantime, there's the question of the breakdown. In his diary, Shep says, Deeper and Deeper was one of those songs she always had a problem with. The middle of the song wasn't working. We tried different bridges and changes, but nothing worked. In the end, Madonna wanted the middle of the song to have a flamenco guitar strumming big time. I didn't like the idea of taking a Philly house song and putting La Isla Bonita in the middle of it, but that's what she wanted, so that's what she got. When I spoke with Tony Shimkin back last summer, he gave an insight into how that actually came about. As something was playing, there was an acoustic guitar in the studio and I was sitting off uh, near the, the door to the control room with, on the couch with an acoustic guitar and a bass player, so I'm playing with my fingers. And I just started playing, uh, it was almost an exercise, and I, it, it, but it sounded like a flamenco uh, guitar 
what a flank or guitar would be doing. Mm-hmm. And I just kept playing and I, and I came up with a figure that a melody and a figure. And um, I guess, you know, she heard it or thought it was interesting. And, and then it just became pursued as like, let's put this into the song. And then Shep took it to the other levels of, uh, well, if we're going to do it, let's really do it. <laughs> Castanets and, you know, whatever. And all that went along with it. Um, and that's how that came about. And guess what? I think I've found that actual guitar playing from Tony all the way back in 1992. Have a listen to this. This piece of flamenco-style guitar is actually held on the vocal multitracks that have linked onto the internet. Is it Tony? Is it some other player? It's not what ended up in the record, so maybe it is that moment that he was talking about that occurred when they were trying to sort out the problem with the middle eight of the song. What we do know is what would have been in place of this guitar had Madonna not got her way. An early demo version of Deeper and Deeper exists, and it's not that much different at all, but it does include this section, but with a piano playing instead. And when Shep did his remix for the 12-inch, he used that same section. So I'm going to play you that 12-inch version now, because it's in much better quality than the leaked demo. With no multi-track, this 12-inch version is the closest we can get to breaking down the song. You can hear some of the samples used here. And also if I play you the intro, you get to hear that organ and that bass line. Have a listen to this. that TR-909 drum beat. It's faster than Vogue, but pretty much the same programming. And it's got a similar breakbeat running through it, a bit like Vogue does too. But now you can hear that bass line. I really, really love this bass section. those synth strings and in Tony Shimkin's interview he talks about how this was to give it a real sort of disco feel. One of the pieces of feedback I get from you guys is that you'd like to know more about the meaning behind a song's lyrics and that's something I really enjoy thinking about when I listen to a song but it's also something that's not straightforward to discuss. Many of Madonna's songs have a very literal meaning. I mean, no one asks what the true background of a song like Into the Groove or Vogue is, but some of it is a bit more whimsical, I guess. And many times, well, Madonna is being deliberately vague. Ultimately, any songwriter will tell you that the listener has the freedom to interpret the song any way that they wish. So, for example, there's a lot of theories that suggest Deeper and Deeper is about coming out as gay. And if that's how you hear it and it gives you strength, then that's what it's about. 
There's also a theory, I think actually I read this on some official liner notes, that Deep and Deeper is about two miners falling in love as they descend a lift shaft. I'm not sure about that. But Madonna did actually speak about her lyric writing in an interview with Radio 1 DJ Simon Bates as part of the promotion of the erotica album. She said, It's a combination. It's hard for me to be specific about what I've experienced because sometimes the reverse story happens to me, but I take the first person. Or my best friend will be telling me something and I'll say it happened to me. I change things around, I add the characters, I endow the stories with other aspects. But there's always something of me in it. I always see little movies when I write songs. Simon Bates also asked Madonna about the point at the end of the song where she starts singing the lyrics to Vogue. She said, it was something we did at the end. One of those moments where I just went off. It was a feel-good dancey song. And I could sing part of a Vogue over the end of it, so it was kind of a tribute to that former song. Just a dance song, she says. It's not terribly intellectual. I just did it, and it sounded good to me. But on the topic of lyrics, there are a couple moments in the song Deeper and Deeper that are clearly influenced by other songs. I'm Gonna Give You Just a Little More Baby by the incomparable Barry White was released as a single in 1973. Written and produced by the singer, it was his first solo release after he'd previously formed the Love Unlimited Orchestra. The song was sampled in Malcolm McCarran's Call A Wave, a track from his 1989 album Walt Starling, which of course included the song Deep In Vogue. Madonna also uses a phrase from this song in her song. Here we go. Madonna takes the phrase deeper and deeper and then uses assonance to rhyme with sweeter and sweeter. And given the song's clear nod to 70s Philly Soul, I don't think it's in any way coincidence. But it can't really be called a steel or lift because it's a common phrase. What, however, is much more interesting is the use of this phrase. When you know the notes to sing, you can sing When you know the notes to sing, you can sing most anything, is a line from Do Re Mi, a song from The Sound of Music, which was a 1959 musical written by Rodgers and Hammerstein. You'll probably be familiar with the movie starring Julie Andrews from 1965. Now, of course, anyone reasonable obviously understands that Madonna was inspired to use those lyrics from that song and incorporate them in Deeper and Deeper. But there's a big question about how she was able to do that and if a payment or clearance was needed. And this is a really interesting subject and something that I know a fair bit about because I worked in music publishing many years ago and I did sort of study this area. Copyright on a piece of music, which is known as publishing, covers the melody, the lyrics, and to an extent the chord progression, providing it's quite unique. If the piece of music has not had a commercial release, then it cannot be used without the writer's permission. And even after a commercial release, people cannot use elements of the work in their own works. This is known as plagiarism. There are three exceptions. One is, of course, when permission has been granted. The other two are combined. They're known as fair use and parody. But the bigger question is what can be copyrighted? Well, as with most things in the law, precedents are set by what's happened in the past. For a start, song titles are pretty much usable. If I wrote a song called Into the Groove and it was a totally different song to Madonna's song, then I would be able to do that. 
Similarly, I could write a song that quoted all sorts of Madonna song titles and I'd be able to get away with it. Fair use, however, is far more complicated. So I could use a phrase like ladies with an attitude in my song because, well, it's not a common phrase, but it's a phrase that exists in the world greater than what Madonna has created in her song Vogue. However, if I wrote a song that had the line in it, don't just stand there, let's get to it, strike a pose, there's nothing to it, I would be breaking copyright laws. And it's not the number of words used or, or the length of the phrase, it's just the fact that it's quite clearly a phrase that only exists within Madonna's song. And it's a very famous song that went to number one that still gets played on the radio today, 30 years later. I couldn't claim that it was a coincidence, for example. So, how did Madonna get away with using a phrase from probably the most famous song in probably the most famous musical? Well, it doesn't feel like fair use because it's a wholesale lift from a very established piece of music. And also, it doesn't point back to the Sound of Music song, so if the line said, that's what Judy Andrews told me, she might be able to get away with it. So, in conclusion, I'm absolutely positive that Madonna or her team would have cleared this with Rogers and Hammerslime. Her publishers probably called up their publishers and said, are you cool with this? And they probably said, yeah, that's fine. Or maybe they said, okay, pay us a load of money first. We don't know. The problem would be if I incorporated that line into one of my songs, I could turn around and say, well, Madonna got away with it, so why can't I? It's very complicated, and I guess we'll never know the proper answer. But this feels like an appropriate time to actually turn to the a cappella recordings now and listen to that line, and lots of other ones as well. And it's fascinating to hear this vocal. It's quite raw, it's not entirely in tune in places, and that's possibly what makes it so special and so Madonna. Here we go. When you know the notes to sing, you can sing most anything. That's what my mama told me. Round and round and round you go, and you find love you'll always know. I let my father mold me. Daddy couldn't be all wrong. And my mama made me learn this And where it gets really interesting is if you listen to the original ending of the song before Madonna decided to reference Vogue. This is what it sounds like. I can't keep from falling in love And you know it I can't keep from falling in love So I show it And then that Vogue section... You've got to just let your body move to the music. Ooh, you've got to just let your body go with the flow. And of course, when I recently spoke with backing singer Donna Delory, she gave me a little bit of information about the recording session. I always talk about like Nikki and I love, like we love all our airy vocals that we do, but we also like to just belt it out. So we always were pushing for like belting parts. And when Madonna wanted like deeper, deeper, we were like deep, you know, whatever. We want to go to the high note and belt it out. Can we do a third over that, you know? And I just remember doing that part. Yeah, it was, it was amazing. It was so much fun. And being in New York, it was really good to get away and just, it's good to go to another city and just be there to work on one project. And guess what? I've got those backing vocals for you to listen to. Here they are. 
I can't help falling in love I fall deeper and deeper the further I go Kisses sent from heaven above They get sweeter and sweeter the more that I know Deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper What we know about the vocals for Deeper and Deeper is that Madonna's sessions were recorded at Shep's flat. They used a stage mic and Madonna recorded them with the music out loud, but Nikki and Donna's vocals were recorded in a proper studio sometime later. This is evident when you hear the a cappella takes, but what's really fascinating is how the chorus was constructed. The main melody is actually in quite a low register for her and she's singing a harmony on top of that which is, you know, in her normal range. Donna and Nikki are recording pretty much the same harmony and they're recorded twice for stereo purposes. So I'm going to play you how it was all put together. It's really fascinating. I can't help falling in love I fall deeper A single take from Madonna further I go Kisses and from And now a double take from Madonna They get sweeter and sweeter the more that I know Now a harmony a third up falling in love I fall deeper and deeper the further I go Now Donna and Nikki's part Put it all together. I can't help falling in love. I fall deeper and deeper the further I go. Kisses sent from heaven above, they get sweeter and sweeter the more that I know. On its release as a single, Deeper and Deeper came with a radio edit, which isn't unusual for longer songs to be cut down to a more radio-friendly length. But this single remix is actually an alternative mixdown to the album version. It's subtle, but it's actually got a little bit more to it, and I'd say it was better, which leads me to think that Shep did this mix after the album version was done and dusted. The changes are the panning of certain instruments are in different placements on the stereo field. Also, some of the instruments are louder or perhaps quieter. For example, the tambourine is ever so slightly louder in the alternative mix. It's shorter, of course, with some bits chopped out, but there's also a few extra things in there, including some additional kick drums and some orchestral stabs. It's subtle, as I said, but I'm gonna try and play it to you now so you can hear the difference. Listen very closely to this, the album version. Okay, so that's the original. Now listen to the alternative version. Okay, I told you it was subtle. I'm going to play it again. First of all, the original version. Listen to the section just before it goes into the bridge. And we're listening to the beats. Well, just half a beat before that middle eight. And also the first beat of the middle eight where you get an orchestra stab. I'm going to play it again. Here we go. Listen here. Okay, and now the alternative mix. Here. Okay, you either heard it or you didn't, but it's definitely there. And you get a few changes like this throughout the entire mix. Who knows why it was done? Maybe when Shep was preparing his 12-inch version, he came up with those extra bits. Or maybe it was the wrong tape taken off the shelf. As I always say, we'll never know. 
Shep also prepared some other remixes for the single release, as well as the classic 12-inch version, which I played you in episode one. He did his deep makeover mix, and that came in a full-length, an instrumental, and a single version. There's also a couple of dubs, the bass dub and the deeper dub, and there's also the fierce deeper dub and the deep beats mix. Finding it hard to keep up, let me play you them so you can hear the difference between a few of those mixes. This is the makeover mix. It's pretty much a complete reworking of the original version. Different chords and different bassline. Let's listen to one of the dub mixes that he also did. Dub mixes, as they were in the 80s and 90s, are generally instrumentals with the occasional bit of vocal. They tend to be created on the fly, live, sort of played in, faders up and down, effects off and on, cut up and then constructed into a full length track. Their purpose? Well, that's down to the DJs themselves. But from somebody who was out clubbing in the early 90s when these mixes came out, it tended to be when the DJ wanted to have a harder, less poppy version of a song to play. Shep also did the deep beats mix, a drum appella, a bonus beats, whatever you want to call it. And these tend to be used by the DJ to do some extra mixing between tracks. And here's the one for deeper and deeper. Constructed in pretty much the same way as the dub mixes, they weren't exactly very interesting to listen to on your CD Walkman back in 1992. But these days you can hear all of the production techniques and ideas that were done by top DJs at the time. It's fascinating. Another set of remixes was done by New York DJ David Morales, and I absolutely love these ones. Now, to let you know a bit about David, he was born and bred in Brooklyn, and I was out clubbing at classic places such as Loft and Paradise Garage well before Madonna had a career. In fact, he started his first club night in Brooklyn in 1981 called Ozone Layer, and that led to him being a DJ at Paradise Garage in 1983. By the mid to late 80s, he was working alongside Chicago house music producer Frankie Knuckles and doing his own remixes to play in clubs. He's done new versions of songs by Petra Boys, Donna Summer, Winnie Houston, Janet Jackson, Michael Jackson, Aretha Franklin, loads for Mariah Carey, Jamiroquai and of course Madonna. Only one for Madonna and that was Deeper and Deeper, but boy was it worth it. It's one of my absolute favourites. I say that a lot, don't I? But let me play you a little bit of his classic Club with a K mix.
tempted to play you more of this remix, but that's probably against the fair use of the Information Society laws that allow me to play you samples. But listen to this bit here. Do you hear that? That's the breakbeat from Vogue. If you remember, I worked out that it came from a track called 10% by Double Exposure. So how did David get hold of it? Well, maybe Shep just gave him the multi-track for Vogue as well. But I do wonder if it was sat on the multi-track for Deeper and Deeper. And as that's never leaked, we don't know. One day it will probably leak and I'll be able to do an update. But it's interesting to listen to. In the meantime, let me just play you one of the other remixes done by David. This is the Love Dub mix. And whilst this is playing, I'll talk to you a bit about that fantastic video. It was filmed just 10 days before the single was released. The interior house scenes were at Renmar Studios, but the nightclub was a real nightclub, the Roxbury nightclub in Hollywood. And although it was directed by Bobby Woods, the entire concept came from Madonna herself. Back at the beginning of 2004, a two-page handwritten manuscript of Madonna's notes detailing what she wanted the video for Deeper and Deeper to look like was put up for auction on eBay. It says, homage to 70s disco, music, fashion, celebration of life, sort of a trippy hallucinogenic trip down memory lane. And she quotes on there, swinging, Studio 54, Andy Warhol, Bohemian, E.D. Cedric, E.D. was Andy Warhol's muse, windowpane, anything goes, pre-AIDS, free for all. And of course, the party atmosphere and celebration was carried through with Madonna having some of her own friends and colleagues in the video, including Debbie Mazar and Guy Osery, who worked at Maverick and would go on to be Madonna's manager today. In the video, Madonna wears a blonde curly wig. And if you're British, it's hard not to see her looking like Vera Duckworth, a character from the soap Coronation Street. But it was actually a reference to Marlene Dietrich's movie Blonde Venus from the 1930s. She did, however, carry through that look to the girly show version, the first proper live version of Deeper and Deeper, which she performed at the end of 1993. It's brilliant. Mixed in with Express Yourself, it actually uses a lot of the David Morales mix in a reinvention of the song. Uh, let me play you a little extract from it now. get too comfortable I'm gonna swap to a different version now what I think is the definitive live version that the 2015 Rebel Heart live version 